Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. Turn with us this morning to the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter number 15. We want to obey God this morning. I don't know your heart today. But if there was somebody to step off into eternity and you went to hell and I didn't obey God, I'd feel awful bad about that. Amen. Someday I'd stand before him and have to give an account to your blood. Yeah. So let me be clear about the message today. If it touches your hearts, you better respond to God. I don't know how many times we'll get an offering, a warning of God to get right. But I'll tell you this much, there is a time that God's deadline comes into your life and it'll be too late for you. There's been many a people, and I can assure you that there's many millions in hell today because they waited too long to respond to God's word. First Samuel chapter number 15, I just want to read a few verses. We'll begin at verse 19. Pray that you have some context. We'll do our best to give some. Wherefore... Then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord? This is Samuel talking to Saul. But didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, sheep, and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Bow with us. Father, we pray you'd anoint your word today. We trust that everything that needs to be said would be said. I pray that every heart get every opportunity by the good Holy Ghost that's already among us. What's already working in the hearts of each and every one that's here, how I pray that we would be patient, Father, as you simply move among us, God, to challenge us with this word, God, bringing our hearts into a place of belief and salvation. We're trusting you for it, for that very soul, God, that's in jeopardy, that stands in the danger of hell's flames today. We pray for that help. As we ask it, we're earnest, praying in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. I have a thought this morning and want to be clear and as quick as possible, but I believe that there's some today that certainly will wait too late and they're going to allow the, the nature of the flesh that we dwell in to keep you from finding the peace that there is in God. Now, I wish that I could show you what I feel in my heart. Now, there's a terror in me concerning the Almighty. Now, I don't know about you, but I see him as the creator of all things. I see him great and high, and in my mind, friend, there can't be anything greater than him. And there's a terror in my heart when I think about having to stand before the Holy God, the creator of all, who is all and is in all. And when I think about that, there's one thing that gives me comfort today. 
that the Lord Jesus Christ came, became man, became flesh, that he might stand in my place, that when I stand before the holy God, he looks at me and sees him. I want him to see him. Amen. I'm glad, friend, when it comes to being a chicken, I'm glad I'm under his feathers. Amen. I'm under the wing of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's the only way that I'm going to get to God. But here we find that Saul had sinned against God. Wasn't the first time, but here we find that Saul had certainly rejected the word of God, and he found himself in a position where, friend, he had compromised God's word, He'd compromised what God had told him to do and here God was sending judgment to him and through the apostle, through the prophet Samuel, he comes to Saul's house and he tells him, he said, listen, he said, God is going to reject, has rejected you as king because you would not obey him. And Saul told him, he said, I have obeyed him. He said, we killed everything that was bad. And he said, I've taken Agag. Well, in the very statement he made, he condemned himself because what God told him to do was to kill everything, man and woman, infant and suckling, sheep and oxen, Everything that was alive was to be killed in that city of Amalek. And what Saul did was he kept the best. I believe he had every intention of putting it in his own coffers. I don't believe he intended it for it to be an offering unto God. But I'll tell you, when you get in trouble with God, the first thing you try to do is to make an excuse. You try to rationalize your sin. You try to justify what you've done. And brother, God ain't having it. He never has had it. And brother, he won't put up with it. We need to recognize when we've sinned that we have trespassed against the holy God. And we're not going to put anything over on God. Amen. We're not going to somehow talk God into our way of thinking. I can assure you this right now. Saul didn't have a better plan. God's plan is the only plan that'll ever work. Doesn't make any difference how we think it or believe it. We justify all kinds of things and it doesn't make not one of them right. The only thing that establishes right and what is good is what's in the word of God. And if you don't line up with it and I don't line up with it, friend, we can't pat ourselves on the back on the way to glory and lean toward hell all of our lives and somehow expect to fall into heaven. It don't work that way. You've got to be born again by the Spirit of God, but then you've got to walk in it. And we've been called to live unspotted from this world. We've been called to be holy. And I don't believe God's changed his standards, not for you, not for me. Now, what he said, I want to I key off one particular verse this morning as the text. The Bible said in verse number 23, you'll look with us. Samuel said something back to Saul. This is after he told him obedience is better than sacrifice. He said in verse number 23, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness as is iniquity and idolatry. I want to share a message with you this morning on rebellion and stubbornness. Rebellion and stubbornness. Now, you don't have to figure out how to be rebellious. You're born that way. You don't have to figure out how to be stubborn. You was born that way. Now, I do believe that certain temperaments, certain people are more stubborn and rebellious than others. I get that. There are folks that are just compliant by nature and they get along with God fairly well. But I'll tell you, some of us have our own thoughts and they're always wrong. I'll just tell you that. The ways of a man is wrong and the end thereof is death. 
Amen. Ain't never one of us ever been smart enough to say to God, I got a better idea. Amen. I ain't never told God and been right that I think it'd be better this way. I'll tell you right now, if God says do it this way, you better do it that way. Amen. Because there ain't no better way than the way of the Almighty. And brother, if he's called you into something, you better do what he's called you to do. If he's asked you to do it, brother, you ought to do it just like he said to do it. Don't come up with a different plan. Don't do something according to your own will. But brother, line up with the word of God and do what he said to do because rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is iniquity and idolatry. As I thought about that, I've prayed about this for weeks now. And I asked the Lord specifically about that particular verse. He stuck it in my heart and I couldn't get rid of it, Brother Greg. I'm telling you right now, it was eating me alive for day after day. And I, I, I just finally asked the Lord, I said, Listen, you're going to have to define that to me just a little better. And then he began to open up something to me. Holy Ghost said to me, I was sitting right here one morning as I was praying and meditating over what he had stuck in my heart. The Holy Ghost said to me, he said, well, I wrote it down for you as plain as it can be. Why don't you just read it again? And I opened up the Bible and I started Alfred reading her again. And he began to share with me some things about how wicked it is to rebel against God and to be stubborn. Number one, the Bible said rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Now I want you to think about that. I'm not under any illusion today that we've got any witches among us or we've got any that practice witchcraft. Amen. This ain't likely the place you'd hang out. Amen. If you was a child of the devil and you, you entertained demons in your house or you, you messed around with the occult, I wouldn't expect you to be here this morning. So I don't imagine I'm talking to anybody directly that has any understanding any better than I do about what it means to be guilty of the sin of witchcraft. But I do want you to know that what the Holy Ghost intended for us to understand that when we rebel against God, it is just as bad as witchcraft. Now let me see if I can help us with witchcraft. You'll find that the word itself, what it meant was divination. Now when you talk about the occult and you talk about the demonic world, brother, it's out there. Whether you believe it or not, there are spirits that are unclean. There are spirits that are unholy. There are children of the enemy, friend, that are everywhere and when you rebel against God you open up the doors to them that's what witchcraft is it's opened up the door to the demonic witchcraft is divination it's reaching into that underworld it is opening up the windows of the dark world the underworld it is asking the ungodly and the wicked of the, of the devil himself into our homes into our families into our places a friend when you open up friend your heart to rebellion you've opened up the devil an opportunity to come into your life that's what Samuel was saying he said what he meant he said this rebellion of yours is like witchcraft Saul, now, we know that Saul had an issue with witchcraft, right? You'll find out that after this point, old Saul found himself trying to figure out what was right and wrong by asking a diviner, by coming to a witch 
and asking her to tell him what his future would be. Let me tell you something. Samuel knew that Saul had a problem in his mind with opening up the world to the underworld and the dark world and the demonic world. You say, preacher, what in the world are you talking about? I hope to God you hear what I'm saying today. When we rebel against God, we open up the window to the underworld. We open up the world of the demonic to come into our homes. If you're rebelling against God this morning, if you've been unwilling to do what God's called you to do or told you to do or asked you to do, brother, you better line up with God because the underworld is coming in your house. You think this is some kind of game. I'll tell you right now, there's plenty of them live in misery today. There's plenty of them today that'll tell you straight up, it's cost me more than I knew or that I could pay. It's kept me out there longer than I thought I'd be. It has turned my life upside down. My marriage is shot or I've got a divorce. My children are a wreck. Everything is upside down. You say, how did it happen? I'll tell you right now. It started with rebellion in our heart. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. He knew what he's talking about. The problem with you and me is we don't give it the credit that the Lord does. We don't put the emphasis, we don't put the degree of severity on rebellion as, as the Lord does. When Samuel came to Saul, he told him, he said, why didn't you do what God said to do? He said, I did. I did do what God said to do. Listen, we know better than that. Samuel did too. He said, then what in the world is all these sheep bleating in my ear? He said, I can hear all these sheep and these oxen and these cattle that you took from the Amalekites and you brought them here. All of these things God told you to destroy. And here stands the king of Amalek himself. God told you to destroy him. He told you not one thing was to live out of the city of Amalek. And yet you've done that. Listen, when we rebel against God, we're opening up the world to the devil. We're opening up the windows of our homes to the devil. Say, preacher, it ain't that bad. I've got this under control. You're a fool. Hear me right now. You're foolish. And you're thinking... You can't control what the devil does once he gets in there. You ain't got no power over the devil. You ain't got no strength over the devil. You ain't nothing without God. You can't do anything. You can't stand in the presence of the wicked adversary that we have. And when you rebel in your heart, you divine the spirit of the underworld. What you do in your rebellion is what Eve did that day. You know what I realized this week? That what started the problem for Eve was her rebellion. You say, wait a minute. I thought she was beguiled by the serpent. She was. But do you know why she was hanging around that tree? See, the serpent was at the tree where she wasn't supposed to be. You know why she was there? She was rebelling against God. 
She had seen that tree often at a distance. She had seen how good it was to look upon. She had had wondered in her mind what it might taste like to taste that fruit. She knew what the consequences of it would be. And yet she got right close to it that day. She got close enough so that the serpent who was there was able to begin speaking to her. You know what she did? Her rebellion opened up the underworld. It opened up the speaking of the devil into her own life. And brother, she fell for it. And it costed everybody. You understand what I'm saying? Rebellion opens up the underworld. It's how the devil gets in your house. It's how he gets in your heart. It's how he tears up your marriages. It's how he destroys your children, hooks them on drugs, leaves them dead in some casket, and you say in wonder where God was. No, the wonder is why we didn't get right with God and not rebel. Thank God's fault, tires. Blame God for everything under the sun, and he's tried to get us out of it. And here Samuel was telling him, he said, "Uh uh-uh. No, sir. He said, your rebellion is just as witchcraft, divination. Your rebellion against God has opened up the occult, the underworld, the, the works of the devil. And he said, he's come in, and he's wreaking havoc in your life right now. And he said, God ain't gonna have it. Your rebellion is going to end this day as far as pertains to God. He's not going to have it anymore. God has rejected you as king because you have rejected his word. Rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. I never thought it was that bad. He said it. I didn't. Right? I believe the definition is clear. That's what the Holy Spirit was sharing with me. He said, he said I, I put in there what it is. If you want a definition, I wrote it for you. Pay attention to what I said it is. He said, it is like unto witchcraft or divination, stubbornness. He said, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Now, we joke about being stubborn. We joke about it. We talk about our spouse being stubborn. Or they talk about us being stubborn. I'm talking about something different here. Right? What I'm talking about ain't no joking matter. Rebellion, he said, and stubbornness. Now hear me out here. He wouldn't have put stubbornness in with rebellion if it didn't have a wicked component. Amen. Now you might know you're rebellious. You might experience the conviction of being rebellious as a child of God. But you can downright be stubborn and you can sit on your seat and you can plug up your ears to your heart and your mind, and you can say, nope, I ain't hearing it today. Nope, I'm not hearing it tonight. Nope, I'm not going to do what God said. And you know what that is? It's downright stubbornness. It's your unwillingness to line up with the Word of God. It is your continuance day after day saying no to God. No, I won't. I've rebelled. Yes, I've done this. Yes, I've done that. But I am stubborn. I am going to sit in my seat. I am going to not do anything. And what, what Samuel told Saul was, he said it's just like idolatry. Your stubbornness is like idolatry. You say, what's idolatry? The Bible tells us on the second commandment, we can read it. The first commandment, I mean, it said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. You know what idolatry is? It's worshiping other gods. And he said, your stubbornness is just as if you're worshiping another god. You say, preacher, that don't make sense to me. I don't believe it's that bad. 
Here's what the Bible said about it. It said your stubbornness, your unwillingness to get right with God, your unwillingness to admit your faults, your unwillingness to line up with what is true and what is holy, your stubbornness, see, to do what you know needs to be done. He said it's just like worshiping another God because I'll tell you what happens when you sit in your stubborn nature and you refuse to do the will of God. I'll tell you who you're worshiping today. You're worshiping you and not him. If you worshiped him, you'd do what he said because you don't worship him. You're an idolater and you're worshiping your own self. You are God. And you determine what you do, what you won't do. That's idolatry. One old man said it like this. He said, if we just take out of the Bible what fits us and what we like and what we don't like, he said, then it ain't God you believe. It's you. If we just pick and choose what little parts we want and them that convict us, and we won't get right up. We just reject them. We just say, no, I won't have that. He said, then it ain't God you worship. It's you you worship. That's the problem with stubbornness is because you're serving yourself. You ain't serving God. And that was what was wrong with Saul. He had rebelled against God and he continued to rebel in his stubbornness against God. Let's look at real quick. A couple of things that happened. In Saul's rebellion. I want to look at the rebellion first of Saul. We read in your hearing, verse number 22, what Samuel told him to obey is better than sacrifice. And I'm going to assure you today that there's no sin that will justify disobedience to the word of God. Listen, rebellion leads to sin. Rebellion leads to sin. When we rebel against God, I was reading this morning in the book of Ezekiel. I, I hunted until I found it in Ezekiel 28. That gives, it, gives the account of when God cast Lucifer out of heaven. When God cast the devil out of heaven. And you know what the Bible said? The Bible said he was lifted up in himself. He was lifted up in himself. Brother, when pride gets a hold of you, I'll tell you what's right behind it. It's got some sisters that go everywhere it goes. Right, amen, the, when pride comes into your life, you got rebellion right on your tail and stubbornness right beside her. She'll be there as long as pride is in your life, as long as pride is present in you, as long as you have not humbled yourself under the mighty hand of God, you'll find out that pride drags along rebellion and stubbornness with her. And brother, it'll bring you down. You mark my words, the Bible said it like this, that a man that thinks he's something is nothing. A man that thinks he standeth will fall. I can tell you right now pride will take you down and brother right along with her will be the rebelliousness of your heart and the stubbornness of it too every one of us are capable of rebelling and being stubborn against God oh preacher he said I got saved I'm over that you ain't over stubbornness and rebellion no because it ain't in the spirit man it's in the flesh amen your mama Eve she had it from the beginning And brother Adam followed right along with her. And they were both condemned to die because they rebelled against God. (laughs) 
Hey, let me tell you something right now. You may discredit this. You may say, I don't need this message. He's preaching to somebody else. There must be a sinner among us. I'll tell you right now, everybody in this building can be guilty of rebellion and stubbornness of heart. And we need to recognize the danger of this. It's just like opening up through divination the world of the occult. And brother, it ain't no different than worshiping yourself as the almighty God when you do what you want to do and not what he says. Rebellion leads to sin. But you look at what happened. It led to the sin of Saul himself. He sinned against God. The Bible said they got down there into that, that one city of Amalek. Note now that there were probably more cities of Amalek. They got down there to that one city. And the Bible said they went in there and had their way with them. They could have done everything God told them to do without a problem. And yet when they got in there, the Bible said that old Saul, he kept the king of the Amalekites alive. Agag, the Bible said he kept him. I don't know why he kept him. I got a feeling in my heart that was, that was some, kind of, some kind of prideful reward. I believe he tied him up. This is just my own thinking. I believe old Saul did this for his own good. Hey, man, he wanted to pray with dragging this man around from his horse or his his, his beast coming into the city saying, look what I got. I killed everything, but I kept their king. Look at their king. Look what I did, you see. I'll tell you right now, when rebellion gets a hold of you, there ain't a limit to where you'll go. There ain't a limit to what you'll do. You say, preacher, I've been saved. I don't go those places anymore. I'll tell right now you better open up your eyes and you better look out for the very minute you think you're going to stand it'll take you down the very minute you think you're strong you're going to find out how weak you are brother when you rebel and are stubborn against God there is a price tag on it and it will come to your life it'll come to you it caused him to sin his rebellion caused him to sin against God Come in there with Amalek, the king of Amalek, Agag. And the Bible said they, they kept everything that was good. And I'll tell you right now, when a man goes looking at free cows, free sheep, free oxen, free camels, free goats, it's all his. Amen. He looked at that and he said, boy, it'd be a waste. Kill all them. Why, that right there is perfect. Ain't nothing wrong with him. Why, surely that ain't what God meant. I believe I got a better plan than he does. I believe I know better than God, evidently. God wasn't, he must not have seen these oxen. He must not have seen these fat sheep. He may not see, hey, he said, we could even offer these up unto God if it comes to it. Hey, we can break the good back and God will like the good. Let me tell you something right now. If you think you're negotiating with God, if you think you're compromising with God, hear me now. Friend, you won't compromise with God. God don't have to compromise. His way is right and it is right in the beginning and he need not negotiate with the likes of you or me. Oh, Saul said, it'd be a good idea. And the people said, oh, yes, Saul, don't do that. Uh, Don't kill them good ones. Matter of fact, slide a few of them over here to my pen. My family leaves another. Well, Saul, you could bless all of us. Just let us all have a little of this spoil. Saul, think about this. You don't have to be irrational about it. Surely God didn't mean all, all. What he probably meant was all the bad. 
Ain't it funny how we'll rationalize and justify everything we do as if God somehow had a part of it? That's exactly what rebellion leads in your life. That is exactly when you rebel against God and against the Word of God, that is exactly what happens to you. You begin to think in a sinful way and you begin to try to figure out how to prove that your way is just a tad bit better than God's and you're helping God out by doing your way. Let me tell you something right now. It's just like witchcraft. You're asking the devil to come in your house when you don't keep God's Word. It caused him to sin. But it didn't cause just Saul to sin. It caused his people to sin. See, they were all involved in this. Because at the very instant, Saul said, Hey, that there, that there looks awful good. Don't kill that hoe. Hey, don't kill that one. I believe we can save a few of these. I believe we ought to take a few of these back with us. And they said, Hmm, great idea. Great idea, King Saul. Great idea, leader. Great idea, shepherd. Great idea, person we're listening to. Let me tell you something right now. If it comes to the place where all you get out of this pulpit is your ears tickled, you need to get rid of the pastor. You hear me? You need to get rid of whoever's behind it. Because what you don't need is somebody that'll negotiate or compromise with the word of the Almighty God. It's rebellion, and that's sin. It caused him to sin, but it also caused the people to sin. I tell you right now, if the man of God ain't preaching the word of God, it'll cause you to sin. Unfortunately, some of you don't read your Bibles. You don't study your Bibles. And some of you can't tell the difference whether the preacher's telling the truth or lying. Shame on you. But I can tell you this. You can believe a lie and be damned at some point. Because I know who is not a liar, and that is God. Amen. His word is true, whether you are or not. And anything contrary to the word of God is rebellion. And I realize in the face of the culture we live in today, that is anti-tolerant. But I'll tell you right now, when it comes to standing before the Almighty... Amen, he done shared with me what he'll give and what he won't give, what he is expected, and friend, what he will ask of you and I when we stand before him. He don't care what the Democrats say. He don't care what a Republican says. It doesn't make any difference to God. He is truth and every man is a liar. What we need to do is to line up with the word of God, get our heart right, and get the rebellion and the stubbornness out of our lives. If we want to see revival in America, we'll have to get rid of rebellious and stubbornness. Amen to that. You can think for a minute this this country ain't plagued with it, but it's absolutely eat up with pride. It's eat up with herself. And I'll tell you right now, you won't have pride without rebellion hanging around and stubbornness both. And they'll fight tooth and nail to preserve their wicked ways. They'll do everything they can They'll, they'll, act, they'll, they'll put us up on the cross if that's what it takes. I guarantee Read your Bible, people. They'll, they'll do everything it takes to allow their wicked, lascivious uh, behavior to continue. But mark my words today, God knows who's rebellious and God knows the stubborn of heart. And brother, God will not put up with it forever. Amen. It costed him. 
Rebellion. Rebellion led Saul to sin. Rebellion led Saul's people to sin. Some of you are opening the door to the devil just as witchcraft might do because you rebel in your heart against the word of God. Rebelliousness is a dangerous, dangerous, wicked attitude of heart. But not only rebelliousness. I thought this was so interesting. It's probably what caught my attention first. Is you know, we read those words in the Bible that are just taboo. Rebellion is one of them, right? Right? That's the one thing, friend. When you rebel against God, when you rebel against God, you basically, the commandments themselves, you said, no, no, I don't need that. I don't need you. I don't need anything that you've done for me. Right? We see that and we recognize rebellion as being such a terrible thing. But when I saw the word stubbornness, I thought, goodness gracious. You know, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't willing at that point to admit, this was a few weeks ago, I wasn't willing at that point to admit how rebellious I am. I'm feeling different today. But I would admit I'm a tad stubborn, right? Because that one don't seem as bad. Maybe a little bit stubborn here and there. Maybe a little setting my ways on some things that ain't godly. God began to open up to me the sin of stubbornness. He said, when you stubbornly do your own thing, you're saying, I'm not right, you are. Which in effect is saying, I'm not God, you are. And that's idolatry. That is worshiping another God, which he said in the first commandment, do not do. The first one, the first one, he said, do not have any other gods before you. You see, your problem ain't Buddha. Your problem ain't Muhammad. Your problem ain't, ain't the gods of this world. Your problem is the one you look at in the mirror. That's your problem. That's my problem. That's the God we have to fight to put down. That is the one that we try to elevate into a position of knowing more than the holy God knows. Listen to me right now. You're making decisions in your life and those decisions are based upon your rebellion and stubborn natures. You are not letting the word of God prevail. You are not allowing the word of God to rule. You are not allowing him to be God. You're trying to be God in his place. That's stubborn. Oh, it's stubborn, he said. And I'll tell you right now, that wicked stubbornness, let me tell you what it did to Saul. The Bible said, the Bible said that it blinded his heart to truth. When you start being stubborn to God, you know what? You start to, you, you start to forget what, what it really says. You start trying to bend a little here and bend a little there until suddenly it kind of fits what you're doing. That's what happened to Saul. Amen. He come dragging a human back. And he come, I ain't no telling how many hundreds of sheep and camel and oxen and ashes he brought back with him. But he come dragging all them good. He said, we killed all the bad ones. We brought back the good ones. You know what? That stubbornness had already infected his heart to the point that when the man of God said, you have sinned against God and have not done what God said to do, you know what he said? Yeah, I have. Oh, yeah, I did. I did what God said. Ain't that what he said? Ain't we just like that? When we hear preaching and it hits home in us, we're, we're, we rebel in our hearts. Yeah, I did what God said. Don't you accuse me of in, being in sin. Ain't that just how we are? 
Yeah, it blinded him to truth. That old stubborn, rebellious heart that was in Saul, it blinded him to the truth so that he, he, he concocted his own lie and believed it. He told Samuel, he said, yes, I have. He said, I've done what God said. Then his stubbornness, his stubbornness proves how he compromised the word of God. He said, the only one we brought back was the king. And he said, and it was the people. It was the people that brought all these animals. Not only did it blind him to the truth, cause him to compromise the truth, but I'll tell you what follows stubbornness. Hear me now. This is going to blow your mind. Lies. None of us likes a liar, but we all is one. You want to know what makes people lie? Corner them with truth. They turn into a liar just like that. All you got to do, get them straight up with what it says. And they'll immediately start trying to rationalize, justify, compromise, or lie. You know, he said, he said, all them sheep you hear, that's their fault. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Wasn't their fault. Who in charge of this deal? Who's telling who what to do? You're telling me, Saul, that them people are making the rules. No, you lie. That's the problem. Oh, we get into such lies and deceitful ways. The Bible said, I was reading in Joshua this week, I was just reading the book, and, it, and it, the, the story of Achan and Jericho just jumped right out of there and onto the pages of this rebellious and stubborn message. That's what Achan was, you see. And I, I read over in the book of James this truth. The Bible said that, that, that God doesn't tempt any man with evil. Neither can God be tempted of evil. Neither tempteth he any man of evil. But listen to what he said. He said, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. Now here's what the Bible said about Achan. This was Achan's testimony after he had been caught. He told Joshua, he said, I saw the goods. I coveted the goods. I hid the goods. The Bible said in James, for every man is tempted when he is drawn away with his own lust. That's the Saul. And enticed. That's the covetousness that Achan spoke of. That's his lust. And then it says, then lust when it hath conceived brings forth sin. The next thing Achan said is, and I took them. There's the sin. And then he said, I hid them. There's the lies. There's the deceit. Let me tell you something. Anything you've got to cover up is probably wrong. Anything you're hiding is probably not good for you. 
And yet you've compromised it. You've justified it. You've rationalized it in your heart and in your mind. And you're living today as if this don't affect you. What Saul found out was his day had come. Judgment had come to the house of God. I started our service with that this morning. Remember 1 Peter 4, 17. Judgment must begin at the house of God. That's where it starts. Let me tell you something. All these people is praying for revival. You know what that means is going to happen? The Holy Ghost is going to start scouring, purging the lives of Christian people. Yes, sir. Praise the Lord for that. You say, that don't sound comfortable. No, it won't be. No, it won't be. But I'll tell you right now, the only way for the church of Jesus Christ to become what it needs to be, which is salt and light in this present world, we're going to have to get right with God. We're living in rebellion and stubbornness of nature. We won't even do the simple things for God. We can't even be counted on. We can't even be faithful and dependable. Our neighbors are going to hell. Our children are a mess. Our world is in turmoil. And you say, I'm not stubborn. I'm not rebellious. You're talking to somebody else. I believe that this is a message for all of us. And I'm not excusing myself. I tell you right now, I, I've had to eat this one for three weeks now. I told Brother Dustin two weeks ago, I said, God's hit me with something I can't figure out what to do with. I don't know if I figured it out, but he sure did lay it on me. And he sure has tried to school me and help me see where the paces of my heart that remain rebellious and stubborn against the word of God. Now listen, if we're praying for revival and we're asking God, we need you. We need you to move in a mighty way. We need you to empower the church. Listen, the only way the church of Jesus Christ will ever have power is when it gets holy. And that means you and you and you. That means every one of you have got to get right with God and quit rebelling and being stubborn about sin, things that should not be in our lives. I'm not a prophet. Don't even claim to have good insight, hardly, on what's going to happen to America. But here's what I believe has happened so far. We have taken the accursed thing into our camp, and we have hid it. America has hid the accursed. And you know what happened to Israel when they went out to fight against little Ai, when they had sin in their camp? He wouldn't win. You say, preacher, don't tell me that. We're on the verge of war in every country. Wake up. Wake up. He will not fight for us. Not if we're in rebellion. No, he's made it very clear what the expectations of holiness are. He's made it very clear what right is. It's not your opinion. It's not mine. It is what saith the word of God, period. I'm not interested in debating it. This is right. You are wrong. He is God. We are not. 
And if you think for one minute God would fight for an accursed country like America, what have you read? What America needs is to get right with God. And to do that, they're going to have to deal with the rebellion and stubbornness which is caused from her own pride. Some of you just threw up your hands. Well, that's it. Ain't no hope for us, right? I, I, I done seen how far we gone. We, we in the bucket. Might as well count us out. Hurry up, Lord. Come on. Let me tell you about another Saul who was rebellious and stubborn. Let me tell you about another Saul who from the pride of his own fair circle life was the most self-righteous, rebellious, stubborn human being that walked. Now, that's, that was his testimony. He said, I'm the chief. Right? I'm just saying what he said. Right? That's what he said. Chiefest. I'm the chiefest of sinners. Uh, that's me. Tell you about another Saul who was rebellious, stubborn, He went as far as to listen to the gospel preached to him by the deacon Stephen. Heard it. And said, I'll hold your coat, man. Stone him. He's so rebellious and stubborn. He went to the Sanhedrin. He said, hey, if you'll give me the authority... If you'll sign the papers and give me the authority, I'll go to Damascus and I'll catch every sorry Christian I can find and we'll either put them in prison or I'll have them stoned to death. That's how rebellious and stubborn this Saul was. And yet on his way one day to Damascus, the Bible said it's about noonday, according to Saul's testimony. It's about noon. And as he is on his horse with some fellers going with him, with papers in his pocket to end prison or 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 kill all the Christians that he could round up. He said there was a light from heaven that come down with such a brightness that I didn't no more notice the noon sun. That's how bright it was. And he said, that light knocked me off my beast. That light blinded me. And then that light spoke. You know what he said? He said, Saul. Saul. He said, why persecutest thou me? Isn't it hard for you to kick against the pricks, the thorns? What does that sound like to you? Sound like rebellious, stubborn attitude. Isn't it hard for you to keep rebelling and stubbornly resisting me, Saul? He had his attention then. He said, who art thou, Lord? He said, I am Jesus. 
whom thou persecutest. Now, he says, get up and you go into Damascus. And he said, you wait there. He said, I'm going to have a man, Ananias, come to you. He's going to heal you of your blindness. He said, but when he's done, he said, I have appointed you to go unto the Gentiles and to preach unto them. And that is exactly what I'm going to expect you to do. And that is what Saul did. And he said, by the way, I'm going to give you a new name. From now on, your name will be Paul. You say, preacher, it's too late for, it wasn't too late for him. It wasn't too late for Israel when they repented unto God and got right. Right? You remember what happened? They went down there to fight Ai. The Bible said they got whooped and run out, 36 of them dead, and they come back and they tell Joshua, and, oh, Joshua falls on his face crying unto God, and, and finally God comes to him. He said, get up! Get up from there and get off your face. Quit whining and crying and all. He said, the reason you got a problem is because there's sin in your camp. And I told you what would happen if you kept the accursed thing. We talked about it in Sunday school this morning. Come get a song if you would. We talked about it in Sunday school. This occurred to me as I was reading the account again this week. You know, who was, you know who was accountable, Scott, for that little episode at Ai? Now, I know, I know that Achan had stole the stuff, right? But what we realized when I was reading that again this week is the problem that really happened, Brother Steve, was that Joshua never asked God about Ai, did he? He never mentioned it to God. No, Joshua sent two men of himself down there to check them out. They came back and said, hey, the reconnaissance says nothing to it. About 3,000 men is all it takes. Joshua said, get her done. And they went on their own. Let me tell you something. Before you go start doing something on your own, you might all consult God. Because he may not be with you. Because there may be something in your camp that you've got to deal with first. And when you deal with that, then he'll go with you. That helped me. That helped me. The Bible said, oh, Saul, who then was Paul. Nobody knew that, though. The Bible said that uh, he got to Damascus and there he was holed up in this house waiting. The Bible said the Lord spoke to one of his men. It was Ananias. I forget now what his name was. But he spoke to one of his men. The Bible said he said, hey, he said, I want you to go down there and I want you to anoint Saul, whom I have named Paul. He said, I want you to go down there. And he said, I want you to give him his sight back. And he said, I want you to tell him this. He gave him the message. He went down there and he walked in there to the old blind, converted, prideful man, Saul. I like what he said. He said, Brother Saul. I like that, don't you? God said, he said, I've chosen him. He's mine. Don't you worry about it. You just go down there and do what I told you to do. And so he just boldly walks in. I just love the faith of this man. He walks in there, Brother Scott, and he, Brother Saul, he said, the Lord that has struck you down 
on your way to Damascus has spoke to my heart, and he sent me with a message for you. He said, I'm going to lay my hands on you, and by the power of Jesus Christ, we're going to take that blindness away. And he said, then you're to go preach his gospel in all the world. I just love it when there's hope at the end of a bad message. <laughs> right? You get those messages, you say, oh, that's a bad one. I mean, he really got... No, see, there's hope. Because we sung it in that song this morning. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty. See, at Calvary, there's hope today for America. I believe it. I do. That's why I'm still praying for revival. That's why we're going to meet tomorrow night at Harmony and pray some more. Because I still believe that God can save this country. I do. I believe it. But here's what I know has got to happen. New Providence Church has got to get right with God. I don't need point no other church. We've got enough problems right here. We've got enough rebellion and stubbornness right here that we can all put our focus to that and say, God, I'm sorry. It's me. It ain't my neighbor. It's me. It's me that's been slacking, God. It's me that's been stubborn about coming to church. It's me who's been stubborn about praying. It's me who's been stubborn about studying my Bible. It's me that ain't been willing to talk to my neighbor. It's me, God, that's been unwilling to observe the word that you give to me. It's me. It ain't my neighbor. And I'll tell you right now, regardless of what God does for America, if New Providence Church will get right, He'll save our people. And though I'd like to see all Israel be saved, that's what, that's what Paul said about his, right? He loved his country. He said, I would to God that all Israel be saved. But I can't save all Israel. And I can't save America. I can't save anybody. But I believe if we get right with God and we make a commitment, I'm talking about sell out to God today. Give up on yourself and your rebellious and stubborn ways and say, God, here I am. Use me. I'll go. I'll do. I'll be whatever you want me to be. I want you to change me. God, I've got people. They're dying without you. I need you to help me. And all the while, God's saying, You're rebellious, you're stubborn, and you keep asking me to help you. No, you're going to start fighting alone if you don't start getting right. And get rid of the cursed thing out of your camp. I don't know what you need today, but I know what I need. Every day, I need to get honest with God and say, It's me, Father. It ain't, it ain't Randy. It ain't Tish. It ain't you. It's me. Lord, I'm the problem. It ain't my neighbor. I need you to search me. I need you to try me, Lord, and know my thoughts, know my heart. 
And I need you to work in me in a way that changes me so that I don't just keep doing what I'm doing. That I'm different. Because, Lord, the only way we're going to see judgment really have its real effect in this place is when we start obeying your word, when we start living holy and doing what you've called us to do. We'll see God work. Would you stand with us this morning? I'm going to pray. If you'd like to pray, pray with us. We need God today.